Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Forty years ago today, God said, I'm not done. Forty years ago today, he planted this house. I know we're going to be celebrating in October. We're coming back for that. I know next Sunday is Pastor Appreciation. But do you know how badly y'all have messed up the national average for pastors? Forty years ago today, God took this young couple, uprooted them from the land of the free in Texas where we live, and put them in Decatur, Alabama, and said, in this place you will plant a house and raise up generations that will praise my name. In this place you will walk with purity, authority, and integrity in a day and age where you don't see it all the time. We got a lot of people on the balcony of boredom like David. We got a lot of people lying in the lap of Delilah. We got a lot of people that maybe aren't authentic. Can I tell you something? Can we take a moment? Because God brought a couple here 40 years ago today and said, you will raise your family here and your grandchildren and you will be faithful and I will bless everything you touch and you'll go through seasons. In fact, 40 actually means the end of the test. That's what it literally means. So I wanted to clear over the house. The testing is over. But would you show honor to your pastors this morning? Come on. God's very best. Our spiritual parents. Come on. We honor them. It's all right. Let's get loud. There is no one. No one. We've been around the world. Six continents. No one that we've ever met like you two. And you're pretty amazing to us. We love you. You may be seated, everybody. Are you ready to see God move today? Karen Sue. She hates it when I call her Karen Sue, by the way. Well, I just didn't know he was going to call me. (laughs) But I just want to add to what Pat just said, because without your yes 40 years ago, we wouldn't be standing here where we are today. And I mean that from the depths of my heart, because they took in... Two young, just inexperienced young people, and they taught us, not just in word, but in action, in watching their life. And because of that one yes, to come here, to abandon comfort, to abandon the normal, to abandon what you were used to, and to come here, you have made it possible for so many people to say yes to their destiny and their purpose and their future. And I just want to say we are eternally grateful for you. We love you very much. These are our heroes right here. And as Karen and I get ready to share and move into this word here in just a moment, I want to tell you something. We are, we're at home here. And I honestly believe with all my heart, this is the first time we've been able to speak together on stage since last September. And something happened in first service over this property. You may not even know what it is. You may have pulled in here. You're doing your deed. You're showing up. But you need to understand over the next few minutes, God is going to ignite something in you that you did not realize was gone. He's going to begin to put purpose inside of you. As we share, Karen and I wrote a uh, new book. It came out last year, right before the pandemic. In fact, we were later called by our publisher and said, how did you know this, this thing was coming? I said, we didn't know. But the book is called Restore the Roar. I challenge you to stop at the table and grab it. And the poster or the drop card or the entrepreneurial material back there. This book literally went viral around the world when the, when the virus hit. It came out 
last year, which was in the Jewish calendar, 5780, the number 80 for the next 10 years in the Jewish calendar, every Rosh Hashanah, every Jewish New Year, it'll go 81. We're in 81 right now. 80, 81, 82, 83, all the way down. The number 80 is pay in the Hebrew, P-E-Y, but it means to pray, shout, roar. So last year in September was a shouting moment, an awakening moment, roar. But 5781, which started in September 29th of 2020, all the way till the end of August, is 5781. It doesn't just mean pray, shout, roar, but it means to to do it with your teeth. It means to growl. It means to rise up. Is there anybody in this room that's ready to let your voice out again? For the next decade, understand, I believe with all my heart, I'm going to prove it to you in just a moment. Before Jesus can return, there has to be a roaring. There has to be a cry from the wilderness. In fact, we're preaching this morning the roar from the wilderness. Are you ready for this? Give him one more praise. Come on, church. And this morning, God is saying, this is the moment. This is the moment where everything shifts. I've come to tell you something. Your past is not your prison, it's your university. I've come to talk to everyone that's been under attack lately. The quietness in your home. And you don't, some of us, we don't even know we're under attack because we've zombified. We're just on the treadmill of life. And you don't even remember what it's like to dream. Are you ready to dream today? Somebody help me. As we move into this word. You're going to hear our story of what we had to walk through that made us realize that we had froze in the midst of fear. That we were living in a battle. And right now, God is awakening families. I love the fact that our son, Nate and Adrian, uh, son and daughter-in-law, just moved back to Fort Worth where they're leading a movement there. And then he's going to be running for office because uh, uh, he believes in the life of the unborn child. I mean, you know, it's not about donkeys or elephants. It's not about your little political parties. It's about lambs. And our family was just together, our two grandsons, Jackson and, and Anderson. And we believe that God is saying right now, it is time for families to rise up and lead again. You are, your family has a spiritual identity you don't know about. Before we preach this word, would you watch this video? perceived aberration or hallucination that grows into an absolute. How you handle your greatest fear today will often determine how others experience God tomorrow. from the bride. Tell my lions roar once again. The opening chapter of the new book we just wrote last year before when it came out, the literally the opening title of the chapter is we didn't want to write this book. Because what you write about, you'll fight against. When we wrote about the altar, I'm telling you, that's when the attack came. There's a chapter in there called When the Shadow Looms. And it it speaks about the fact that when you go through enough stuff, after a while, you just expect bad. You expect the phone call. You expect the text. 
I, I tell him the story that when we were youth pastors here in Decatur, Nate, who's 29 years old now, he was about three or four years old. We're, we're living here in Decatur, and, and every night he started having these nightmares. So at three in the morning, he'd scream out, Daddy, Daddy, and I'd go into his room. I'd say, what is it? He'd say, well, something under the bed, something in the closet. He'd see shadows. So finally, he did it enough, and I, I, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to fix this, and I'm just weird enough that I went and got this white bottle, filled it up with water, and wrote Holy Spirit on it. And so when he would call out, I'd go into his room, I'd say, where's it at, Nate? He'd say, under the bed, and I'd squirt under the bed. Holy Spirit's got it. Till finally, he just got to a place where he would say, grab the Holy Spirit spray. <laughs> I'm going to sell that to probably QVC. No, <laughs> joking. But there comes a moment where you teach your family what they have to learn to cry out for. How they win the battle. See, I love what the Bible says. And looking in your Bible at Luke chapter 1, we're going to go there today. Everyone knows the story of John the Baptist. We know he was the preparer of the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. While his cousins were in church, he was out in the field. Wearing sackcloth and camel hair. Eating locusts. He was weird. He was peculiar. He had been prophesied. In fact, what you have to understand is, in the Old Testament, you had Elijah and Elisha. Elijah's name means judgment. Elisha's name meant salvation. You had John the Baptist and Jesus. Shadow and type. You have to understand, John the Baptist would be the one that would come out and declare and roar, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Jesus would come and bring salvation. But before you could get to John the Baptist, becoming John the Baptist, there had to be something else that happened. In fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 11, when Zacharias saw him, this is John the Baptist's father. He's standing in church one day. He's standing next to the altar. He works in the church. So does, so does John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. He's standing there in working in the altar and an angel appears. I'll share more about that in a minute. Saw him and he was startled and he was gripped with fear. The Bible goes on to say, but the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Which by the way, major faux pas there. Everybody would get mad about it because this world wants to name your child before you have a chance to. This world wants to declare identity over our kids that does not belong. Oh, you ain't helping me yet because I get it. What I'm about to say, we're living in a day and age where I can get canceled by culture, canceled on Facebook, canceled on Twitter. But I'm going to tell you what you can't cancel. His word. It is from, with us from the beginning to the end. It's the foundation of who we are. Can I preach some probably politically incorrect stuff? Can I tell you that we're living in a day and age where you better know the authority of God when you speak to your children. When they get in the car, when they come out of the school, you got to be able to look in that rearview mirror, look back and glance back and see what has tried to settle on them and break it off them. Somebody help me preach for a second. 
And there is a moment where you begin to understand as we move into this word, God is looking for those that will release the roar again, that will get their voice back. I have come to confront your quiet season, your quiet season that is attacking your marriage, your finances, your business. And God is saying enough is enough. I love Psalm 34, verse 17. Yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, the Lord will hear them come to rescue them from all their troubles. We know the Bible says in Matthew 11, verse 12. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been at war. But it's the violent. The word violent literally means fierce. The word fierce means ready to roar. Take it by force. And there is a moment where you have to realize... That God is trying to release something. I hear a sound over this house. Every revival has a sound. It's been 25 years since a move of God hit America. Could it be Decatur? Could it be Huntsville? On this 40th anniversary? Could it be that God is saying enough's enough? In a day and age right now that we're living in where we're told to be quiet. We're told to keep our mask on. We're told to not even look at anybody. We're told to social distance. It reminds me a lot of how Hitler took over Germany. And he told the church, you can't meet anymore. You can't have altar calls anymore. And you can't sing anymore. This literally happened. California, you're told you can't worship. I dare them to tell me I can't praise. Because if I don't praise, the rocks are going to cry out. And there's a mo- I'm going to praise. Can't stop it. Oh, you, I wish you'd help me. And the Lord sent us here to tell you today. He's going to restore your roar. And I hear a roar over this house. The lion of the tribe of Judah And he's saying I'm about to move well, I'll explain in a moment while we call it restore the roar But the Bible says the wicked flee for no reason But the righteous are as bold as lions And I love what it says in Amos chapter 3 It says as the lion roars As the prophet speaks The lion has roared Who will not fear The sovereign Lord has spoken Who can but prophesy The reason why we've lost prophetic voices in America That are actually on Is because we've lost our roar And God is saying today, I love what we put in the opening of the book. And it's just something, the restoration of the roar is, watch this, when his spirit arises once again from the depths of your gut where it has been caged under lock and key by low expectations, a wounded spirit and a lack of hunger, then suddenly a ferocious, passionate roar wakes up. What am I coming to tell you today? Let me tell you something, Calvary. God is saying it's time. For this place to get your roar back. Give him a praise. Come on. Can we do that? Let's give him a praise. But also we need voices of righteousness to rise up in here. We need voices of righteousness to rise up in your homes. To rise up in the schools, to rise up in the communities, to rise up and not be silenced. You see, we are forced to wear masks out in public, but a mask does not take away the voice that God gave me, that God gave me, because He wants us to speak out, to speak truth, to speak up. But sometimes when we're wearing the mask, it silences us, it hinders us, it keeps us from speaking out and speaking the things that God has placed in our hearts. And he wants to raise up the John the Baptist in this nation. He wants to raise up the ones who will go and prepare the way of the Lord. To prepare a road, a way for God to come in on. Our nation needs an awakening. It needs an awakening more now than ever. When we are silenced, when it took three days to silence the church. 
to take away our authority, to take away our voices. We need to realize and remember where our authority comes from. That he has given us all authority to speak those things that are not as though they were. To speak and to declare the pushing back of a disease that is trying to take over our nation. We have the ability inside with what he's given us to push back the forces of darkness. We believe that God is wanting to raise up voices of truth in this church, in this region, in this city, in this area, that there are people sitting here today that your voice can bring freedom to your family and to your neighbors and to your coworkers. Will you speak the words that God has given you? He's about to raise up the nobodies, the oops, the accidents, the ones that no one saw coming, the ones that culture has tried to silence, culture has tried to erase them because they go against the tide of a destruction of a generation. But God wants to raise your voice up to speak life to those who are about to give up. To speak hope to the ones who have about to lay down and say, I can't fight anymore. He wants to raise your voice up because the ones that cancel has culture has canceled and the world screams no way. God is screaming Yahweh as he broadcasts your voice out to be heard across the world. And there's those that in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the calamity, in the midst of the confusion that is all around us in the 24-hour news cycle, God is raising up those who look at each other and say, there has got to be more than what we have settled for. There has got to be more than what we have believed, the more than what we have accepted as the new normal. Can I tell you, I don't want a new normal. I want a supernatural life. I want a supernatural life where there is miracles trailing behind me every step I take. I don't want just a new normal. I want a new supernatural life. See, we have to live somewhere between amen and there it is. Somewhere between destiny and circumstance. Somewhere where we live in a state of expectancy. Did you come here expecting today? Did you come? When did we stop expecting the healing of our nation? When did we stop expecting the healing of a divide of culture and of all of those things that are trying to cause division amongst God's people? When did you stop expecting healing for your family, for your marriage, for your children, for your community? See, there had to be a roar that took place. Remember, God promised that there would be a voice that would rise up, a voice that would come out of just out of nowhere and rise up. And that prophecy was John the Baptist. And he's waiting for those John the Baptist people to rise up once again. He prepared the way for Jesus. Before Jesus could come onto the scene, there had to be a roar that took place. But when you're silent, it does nothing to prepare the way for God. We have to let our voices rise up. Isaiah 43 says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. I want to prepare a highway 
for God, not just some little two lane road. I want a highway that it can just come in and bulldoze through the place and just take out all the enemy and just rise up and see victory in God's house again. See, it said that he wants someone that will come and prepare, but who will also proclaim. You have to proclaim the truth. And he came and the fulfillment was met. John 1, 6 says, suddenly a man appeared who was sent from God, a messenger named John. Can we just talk about John today? See, I want us to, to go on a journey of John's life. Because in John 1, 23, John answered and he answered the call, the fulfillment. And he said, I am fulfilling Isaiah's right. prophecy. I am an urgent, thundering voice shouting in the desert. Clear the way and prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Can I ask you in this season of silence, in this season of just quiet, where has our thunder gone? Are you a thundering voice that awakens this generation? Are you a thundering voice that awakens the schools? Are you a thundering voice that in the morning time, your children wake up to the presence of God in their home that awakens them that says, I've got a purpose for your life. I've got a purpose for your future. I haven't given up. You are not forgotten. You are not abandoned. You are not alone. See, this is a time in our nation where the world and the enemy would love for us to feel alone. He would love for you to feel abandoned. He would love for you to feel isolated and alone in that time. But John would become a roar. We have to be a thundering voice that sounds the alarms to a sleeping generation. He would be that roar. He was the one who would prepare the way. But there is a part of his journey, a part of his story that never gets told. There's a part of his story that is so key to how he came to be the one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way. But no one wants to talk about it because no one wants to talk about the quiet seasons. No one wants to talk about the hard seasons. No one wants to talk about the seasons where there's no words to describe what you're going through. See, there are times when there are just no words. And that part of the story is how John came about. It didn't start with a roar. It actually started with a mute, with silence. What I call that quiet season, because how many of you know that before your greatest miracle is usually your greatest test before you can roar, you usually have to go through a season of quiet. Have you ever been through the quiet season? This past year has been a, just a mess. One thing right after the other, there have been moments where we've just had no words, but what it was going on in the world. Have you ever had those seasons where there was just not a word that could describe it and all you had was a groan in your spirit? All you could do when someone walked up to you and said, how are you doing today? You could just go, mm. that's all I got. Yep, yep, yep. I got no words. I can't tell you I'm doing okay, but I can't tell you I'm not. I have no words. There's just a groaning inside of me that says, I know that there's got to be something. There's a welling up inside of me because at some point there's going to be a moment where the roar is released. And when it does, it's going to send the enemy running out the back door. But until then, there's a point of silence. 
that comes before that. Can I tell you that Pat and I know about those silent seasons? See, many of you have heard my story, but it came to life in this book and it's come to life in this season, this past year of 2020, because see, many of you know that about three years ago, I was standing at my kitchen sink and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Karen, you're about to walk through a difficult and uncertain season. And I rebuked him. I rebuked those words as if it was the enemy because sometimes life does not feel fair. And we can't confuse God with life. That God is good and God is fair. And he was taking me on a journey and he said, Karen, you're about to walk through a difficult and uncertain journey or uncertain season. But do you trust me? Do you trust me that I'll get you from point A to point Z? Do you trust me that I'm still there even when you can't see me? Do you trust me that I'm in the darkness and I'm in the light? That I'm in the hard times and I'm in the good times? I'm in the quiet and I'm in the shout. I'm with you no matter what. Do you trust the relationship that you have with me? Because you're about to walk through something and six months later... I found myself sitting in a a doctor's room, sitting across the room from an oncologist who was looking at me and he was telling me that I had leukemia. And those words came to me and God wants you to know in this quiet year, in this silent year, that he is right there with you. And do you trust him? Do you trust him that he still has the recipe for manna? That he still is in control. That he did not give his authority away to a disease called COVID. All right. And he was sitting there and the doctor looked at Pat and I and he said, you have leukemia. And Pat and I looked at each other and looked at that doctor and we said, we are rejecting that diagnosis. Because you cannot put an identity on me that my father did not give me when he placed me on this earth. You can't place an identity on me that does not belong to me or my children or for generations to come in the lineage of this family. It will not end that way. And you have to be able to say, I'm breaking the silence. I'm letting the roar rise up. Because see, there we were facing that diagnosis. But God was about to tell us that there was a roar rising up inside of us. See, your circumstances are not meant to rob you of your voice. They're meant to give you your voice, to show you, to help you find your voice in the midst of the turmoil. Can I tell you, can I show you this quick video of the day that Pat and I found our roar? Because after a year of battling leukemia... God brought us to a place of roaring victory over our lineage and our legacy and our family and our children. Watch this video with me. After a year of different things, went into the oncologist's office, they drew blood, and the first thing the doctor said when he walked into the room, he said, is, I love being able to tell patients that you don't have to come back anymore. And because all of my blood work came back normal today, and that's what we were waiting for. So no bone marrow um, biopsy and uh, no more blood work because it all came back clean, and there was no explanation for it. He had no explanation for it, but we do. We have an explanation for it. It's God. See, God told us, told me. 
told Pat um, about two weeks ago, he said, the storm is over. The storm's over. Because I have literally struggled for a year and a half with health issues. Many health issues. <laughs> and, but the biggest concern... Don't, don't, don't write a book on rebuilding the altar if you don't want to get attacked. But this was our end. biggest concern, was this building behind us. You can see the building behind us. Which is Oncology and Trophy Club, which Texas. is a cancer center, and that was the thing that I've been praying through and fighting through. Every time I've given blood, the blood levels were elevated, and came back today after getting back from Brazil. And for the next blood test, everything came back within normal range. We serve a mighty God. We serve a big old God. Come on, give him a praise. But I'm telling you, right before your miracle, you will go through a quiet season. Can I tell you something, Pastor? You became our pastor once again through this. When our whole calendar got canceled and, I mean, like crazy. I looked at Karen one day and I said, at one point I said, it's, I've never seen this happen. One after the other, starting in March. And it was many Sunday mornings. Where you preached to us, ministered to us. And then every night, I, said, I, I looked at her and I said, he's got to be exhausted. There's no way you can do this every day. But see, you have to understand, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment, on how to get your roar back. But let me talk to you about the day that dad went silent. The day that dad had nothing to say. We read to you a moment ago about John the Baptist, but you don't know the before. We always love to judge the end chapter, but you don't know the early chapters. We always love to judge people in the middle of their journey before they get to that next. The Bible speaks about Zechariah. He served in the temple of God. So did his precious wife. In fact, the Bible even says they're getting older. And he's standing in the temple one day at the altar... And the angel of the Lord appears. But see, you have to know something about these two. They were servants. They showed up. They put the look on. They put the mask on. They smiled for everybody. Isn't it amazing how the stage makes you look a lot better than you probably are? Because light shine real, shines real well on armor, but you don't know the private pain. Most great leaders have private pain. Most great leaders walk off stages on some Sunday mornings and as they get in the car, it's hard. Your best Sunday is their worst Monday. There's a private pain represented here that no one knows. They serve, they love, they smile, they show up, they cheer, they mourn, they laugh with everyone, but they don't know the private pain. The quietness in the house. Because the Bible says they could not have a child. They could not produce an heir. And they had experienced this private heartache. And so one day dad's at work. He's at the church. Standing at the altar. And the Bible says all of a sudden the angel Lord appears, appears to him. And as Zachariah is standing there, it freaks him out. Now I have seen angels three times. One time I was in a hotel in California 
and it was San Jose area. Earthquake hit that morning. I jumped out of the bed, freaked me out. I was speaking actually at Bethany College University there. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there, and I am shaking. And I look over in the corner, and I see this monster beast of an angel. Y'all can wear cupids. I got big boys. And he was centurion standing there like this. I could, just, I could paint him huge wings. And all of a sudden, I looked back, and he was gone. I went, and God said, I just want you to know we're here. Another time I was preaching in New Zealand to thousands and thousands of young people, a thing called Planet Shakers. I was preaching on the rain of God and it starts raining in the building. True story. And it wasn't the sprinkler system. The end of the service, I'm up in the pastor's office in the green room. All the speakers go up there and all the pastors from the area come in. We're all up there and this lady comes running in and she's weeping and she hands me a giant picture of angel orb faces all over the building while I was preaching. But this moment freaked, freaked Zechariah out. Look what the Bible says right here. It says, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son and you are to call him John, which would cause all kinds of issues later. Because you're supposed to call him little Zach. In fact, the angel tells him, I want you to take care of this boy. He's full of the Holy Ghost. Don't let him go wandering out on weekends when everybody else wants him to. Don't let him show up every house party and don't try to be the cool parent. Be the parent. Don't give in to what everybody else is doing. See what has happened during this virus that has invaded our nation. We're now allowed to watch it. We now watch things that we never would have watched before. But it's because we've been dumbed down over time. We've been quiet over time. We stay at home when now, even though church is meeting again, we stay home because we don't really need that anymore. I'll watch you online. And if I don't like what you say, I'll just change churches with my fingers and look at somebody else. Here's what you have to understand. We've forgotten the coming together, the locking arms, the speaking together, the power of agreement, praying together. They're worshiping together. The enemy is winning. I'm here to tell you something, Calvary. There's a moment where you get up, you get dressed, you take off the jammies, and you show up. And you say, you know what? We're going to praise because if I don't praise right now, my kids won't praise tomorrow. Somebody help me preach for a second. And there's a moment where you say, wait a minute. I've had enough of being told not to praise. I wish you'd get rebellious towards the devil. And the Bible says, all of a sudden... He's standing there. He said, keep him holy. And then he quotes Malachi that he will come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children back to the father, the Elijah to come. And then all of a sudden, look what happens. He's standing there. Zechariah, man, God's man of faith and power, looks at him and he says, um, hey, here, look here, angel. Jump over to Luke chapter one. Bring that up for me. All of a sudden he says to him, he says, hold on just a second. He said, uh, he said, uh, how can it be? How, how can I be sure this is going to happen? <laughs> and all of a sudden he says, I'm old now. Now he gets really politically correct right here and he's very wise. He says, I'm old and my wife's getting up in years. He didn't say my wife's old because he knew someday this is going to get wrote about. <laughs> he didn't want to deal with it. You know, sometimes I'll do something and I'll lean over to Karen and I'll say, can we please not talk about this on the way home? Because I know there's a price coming. He knew there was a price. He said, I'm old and my wife, <laughs> she's getting up there. He backed down. It was quick. Watch. And all of a sudden the angel said, 
The angel got ticked. You don't make angels mad. He said, I am Gabriel, exclamation point. He said, I stand at the right hand of God every single day. How dare you? Look at this. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now since you don't believe what I said, you're going to be silent. You ain't going to be able to talk. You're going to be unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. You're not getting what I'm saying. It was the shift. You don't understand. At this exact moment, dad went quiet. He went silent. Fear and lack of faith had taken his voice. I know what that feels like, church. Why? Because there's a battle for the voice of mom and dad in America. We're being told now, you can't tell your kids who they are. In fact, our new president, and this ain't about Democrats or Republicans, so take that garbage somewhere else. This is about reality. Where now they're saying young men can go in girls' locker room because we declare a certain thing. Can I just say something to you? There's a moment where the church rises up and says, wait a minute, you need to understand when you say that, you're putting a fist in the face of God saying you messed up on me. I'm politically incorrect, I get it. Go ahead and cancel. Because there is a moment where you understand the only difference between the believer's voice of today and the voices of perversion with a radical agenda is simply that we went mute when they went louder. From politicians and pundits and professors, they're declaring that a child has no rights. And then when they finally are born, parents lose those rights when they release their first cry. From sitcoms to songs to, to culture, it's declaring to parents that your voice is irrelevant. You're nothing but a seed producer. And God is saying, I'm looking for a mom and dad that will rise up with a holy authority and that will look at that grandbaby and look at your, I do it every, every time my two grandsons, Jackson and Anderson are at our house. I tell them who they are. And I'm not, I don't speak to the fool in them if they act in a fool. I speak to the king in them because I am a gatekeeper. And I tell them, wait a minute now, you're going to touch the world. You're going to change the world. You ain't getting this just yet. There's a moment where everybody in this place has to, when you're riding home today, glance in that that rear view mirror and tell them who they are tell them what they're going to be even the world may be telling them what they can't you tell them what they can when the world tells them that they're worthless or they're a mistake or they're an oops or an accident you say you are mighty in the land you are a champion you are a prophet to the nations you're going to change the world I'm running but you're brilliant that test score doesn't represent you am I the only one preaching because I need your help because I'm ticked off today because I know what it's like to go quiet. And the Bible says he was muted at that point. For the next month, he would be quiet. The house would be quiet. They couldn't talk about the baby's room. They couldn't talk about their miracle. As she was getting bigger with child, he couldn't speak about it. Have you ever lost your voice? And what you got to understand, church, is silence is loud. I know what that's like. They can't drink together. They can't talk about what we're going to do. We went quiet. Hello, America. Reminded of September 2018 after Karen was radically healed. Was in a hotel. I'd been speaking in Scranton, PA. We were going to be flying to Europe to see a move of God. We have a church there in Portugal where God is pouring out his spirit. I'll be in Brazil this Thursday. Two different places, same language. And I'm laying in bed and I'm laying and I'm exhausted and I'm weary and I've learned how to put the mask on because we had overcome this. 
Because after fear, fear always has a twin sister called lethargy. Watch it. You're going to see it happen in America. We've survived this virus and lethargy is going to hit. It will be the falling away season. You better stop it. And now lethargy had hit my life. And I'm laying in a hotel room early in the morning. And I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, where is your roar? And I sat up in the bed. I said, what does that even mean? The wicked flee for no reason, but the righteous are bold as lions. I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah. Where's your roar? And he told me, you know, Amos chapter 3. As the lion roars, so the prophet speaks. Or as the prophet speaks, the lion roars. And I said, Lord, I don't understand any of this. And he said, get your phone out. And I began to weep before the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't have a roar. I'm faking my way through this thing. I'm exhausted. I feel nothing. I'm preaching. You're moving. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for, for covering me on this because I don't feel nothing no more. And all of a sudden, he overwhelmed me. And he said, get your phone out. He said, give this prophetic word to the nation. And I wrote it down. And all of a sudden, he said, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. They have lost their fear, their will to fight. Fear, exhaustion, and culture has taken the roar away. This is before COVID. You need to understand that. They must be awakened and realize that they are called to be voices of truth. That carry freedom in their hearts and, f- and fire in their spirits. Restore the roar. Tell my lions to roar once again. I said, God, I don't even know how to do that. I don't even know what you're telling me to do. But listen to me, church. It's after the victory that we tend to backslide. Some of us have not had our miracles yet because God can't trust you on the other side. I've seen people pray for their spouse to get saved for years the spouse gets saved they backslide because the spouse is on fire for god now and they're like do you know what he put me through listen to me god sent us here to tell this house you're about to break into something big this thing is about to come apart what are you in a good way what are you talking about pat i'm telling you increase from this day forward i'm telling you the house is going to grow again i'm telling you people are coming back i'm telling you finances are going to rise up i'm going to tell you that there's going to be buildings all over this property i'm telling what the holy spirit is telling me and i will never say he says something unless he does because that is witchcraft if he didn't but he's speaking to me at this moment and he said you tell them there is a new chapter beginning in this house there will be the sons and daughters of prodigals coming home they will come walking in saying pastor i'm ready i'm awake you will see them walk through the door and as they walk through that door right there that door right there that right door right there and even over on the side you will see perversion fall off of them onto the ground and they'll be looking around like what just happened blinders are gonna i wish you'd help me preach come into agreement with me church God sent us to come and tell you your roar is coming back. And from that point on, they waited on their roar to come back. This is your moment. And fear accepted will steal your roar. See, some of you have been in silence, but you need to understand. I understand what it means to walk through some silence. I'm reminded of the different times that we have walked through silent seasons in our life because we understand that tragedy has a trajectory and it steals your identity. But I'm reminded, you know, I was praying one day and God spoke to me and he said, do not mistake silence for surrender. During the silence, you should be mapping out your victory march. It's in those moments that you should be plotting out your victory dance. Because see, silence does not mean surrender. And I'm reminded of one morning that I woke up and I felt like giving up. The silence was overwhelming. The silence was deafening. Have you ever been there? That the silence was actually deafening. That it was so loudly quiet. 
And I'm reminded of that day because during that season that we walked through the, the leukemia diagnosis, I woke up one morning and I knew what God had told me. God's given you promises. God's told you he's going to do certain things. God's told you he's going to heal. God's told you he's going to heal your marriage, that he's going to restore your children, that he's going to restore your finances, but you don't see it happening right now. And in those moments, it's really easy to think life has been unfair, that you're not being taken care of, that God doesn't hear you, that God doesn't see you. And I was, I was woke up this one particular morning and I was hurting all over from the different things that I was walking through. And I remember walking into the bathroom and looking in the mirror and I said, God, I don't see a warrior today because all I see is someone who is scared. All I see is someone who wants to give up today. And I heard him speak to me as only a gentle father can. And he said, Karen, I have given you weapons to defeat the fear that you're facing today. I have given you everything you need for this moment. You were born for this moment. You were created for this battle. You were made for this situation. And I remember just standing there weeping and God put in my spirit. And if you've heard this before, this made it into the book because it was so right on for what we went through then and what we're going through now. And I stood there and God said, go to second Timothy one seven, because now we were content to survive. You know, here we are, we're content to just survive instead of thrive in our life. But we had lost our voice during that season because fear is just a learned or a perceived aberration that grows into an absolute in our life. Because we, instead of depriving the fear, instead of depriving the lies, instead of starving it out and getting into the word and getting into our prayer closet and getting into hearing the word of God, we go in and we feed the fear, we feed the negativity, we feed all of the accusations of the enemy. And God wants us to realize that if we feed it, it's going to grow. You have to starve that thing that's trying to take you out. You have to turn off the negative voices because fear had muted our voices during that time because fear is the thief of yesterday's dream, the intimidator of today's promises, the emasculator of tomorrow's warriors. It's courage waiting to be awakened and fear has the ability to manipulate the God truth in you and turn the promises of God into a doubt. And the lies of the enemy into a truth in your life. But you have the ability to shut the mouth of the enemy. When fear enters, sometimes we feel that we can't breathe. It takes our breath away. And when we have no breath, we can't roar. But Job 33, 4 says, the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. When I wake up in the morning time, I walk out of my bedroom and into my prayer closet. And I say, God, breathe on me today because my breath cannot sustain me. But your breath can blow out all the junk that stands in my way today. See, fear is not the absence of courage. It's the embryo of courage. It's courage waiting to be awakened. See, one moment in that moment of fear, in the lowest moment of that time, in that season of despair, the silence had become so loud that I had started letting the voice of the enemy creep in. 
And it had started pushing the voice of God out. But God spoke into my spirit that day. And he said, Karen, go to 2 Timothy 1.7. And I said to God, I said, God, I know that scripture. That's just a Sunday school scripture. That's just a children's church scripture. That's for children to read so they don't feel like they get bullied on the playground. And he said, are you being bullied today? See, the enemy bullies us all the time. And we find ourselves backed into a corner, backed into the the back halls and the back alleyways. And we find ourselves crumpled into a heap, not knowing what to do. And God said, I've given you weapons to fight your way out of this alley. I've given you weapons to fight your way out and to come out unharmed. And he took me to the scripture. And the scripture literally says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He didn't bring fear into your life. The enemy did that. But when the enemy brought it, God gave you power, love, and a sound mind to get out of it. And he said, if you will utilize, if you will awaken, if you will take the gifts that I have given you, the weapons that I have given you, you will win this war and you will come out and the enemy will be defeated. And so I began to study those, those weapons that he had given us. And the first one is power. That word literally means I have the ability through Jesus that I can change the atmosphere no matter where I go. If it's into the doctor's office, I can look and I can say, I reject that diagnosis. I'm not going to let that take root into my life. I can look at my children and say, you will not be lost. I am calling you back home. You can walk around the perimeter of your yard and you can say, I'm taking back the ground for God. You can change the atmosphere. Of what is going on. And he gave us that power to direct and influence the course of events in our life. And he gave us love because First John 4, 8 says God is love. First John 4, 18 says perfect love casts out all fear. Because he is love. And it's the only word in the Bible that he actually gives us a definition right. for. Because he wanted you to understand who he is, that he has the power, that in him there is no fear, that in him you can rest, that in him you can sleep at night. You don't have to worry about how your bills are going to get paid when you are being faithful to the calling that he has placed on your life. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient. It's kind, not proud or self-seeking, not easily angered. It forgives. It rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So in the midst of your calamity, where did your trust go? Where did your hope go? Why did you stop persevering when he gave you the power to do that? And he gave you a sound mind. This past year, a sound mind is what we've needed the most. And that word comes from sophroneo. And it means a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, brought into a place of safety and security so that it's no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. I don't know about you, but we've heard a lot of illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts over the past year. And we have the ability to say, I know what is the truth, and I know what is the lie. I know what God says for me. I know what the enemy wants for me. And I can stand in the gap, and I can determine that I'm going to stand on the side of truth for my family, for my life, and for my healing. See, we have to understand that 2 Corinthians 
because of that scripture gives us the ability to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. And because of that, we must quit divorcing God for a mistress called fear. See, there's a shift happening in the body of Christ right now. I love what Billy Sunday said. He said, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and lo, nobody was there. Do you understand? When God woke me up and said, restore the roar, I said, Lord, I don't know anything about lions. I know 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil seeks to pounce on you like a lion. He's not the lion. He said, son, you are Judah's whelp, Genesis 39. The line of the tribe of worshipers, the line of the tribe of Judah. I said, Lord, I still don't understand. So we started studying the lion. I'll, I'll never forget, years ago we were in Birmingham, and Abby, our daughter, is, is Chinese, and we're politically, totally, politically incorrect family. We just are. We kind of live for that. And, and all of a sudden we're standing there, and we're looking at lions at the Birmingham Zoo. And I'm standing there with Abby, and she's standing there with me, and I leaned over and I said, Abby, you know... You know, um, he likes Chinese food. He's going to eat you. She goes, no, he doesn't. He likes vanilla ice cream. He's going to eat you. <laughs> but I didn't know anything about lions, so I looked it up. In fact, let me give you really quick this, and we'll, we'll close. But the five steps to restore the roar, because I want to say something to you. When you go home today, you have the authority to speak it, bring your family back. Stand on your front porch because God has been standing there saying, I'm looking for you to get back into your passion, to get back into your fire, to go back to that place of authority. Can I give you the five reasons? Let me read the definition of why a lion roars. Do you know that when a lion roars, you can hear it five miles away? That when it roars, I was just in South Africa a year and a half ago. Do you know that when a lion roars, it will shake the bolts literally out of a jeep? If it roars right next to it. Understand what I'm talking about right here. I began to study the lion. I didn't understand it. And so lions roar to tell the other lions where they're at located. Can I just say something to you? Where are you at? What do you stand for? What do you believe in? Are you so caught up in the cultural battle that is now the great divide between the color of a person and whether or not a person is fit for this or that? Can we just stop and realize that we are created to lock arms, walk together? Because you're living in a season where you'll be told you've been going to the wrong church for years. Our family don't go to that church. We don't even believe what they believe anymore. Or or we you shouldn't be there. Let me tell you something. The devil is a liar and he's a divider. And there's a moment where we we lock arms and say we're going to give each other the benefit of the doubt that we love each other past our skin, past whether or not we pray in the spirit or don't pray in the spirit. Can I get real? Where do you stand? Can you be so shifted by listening to the news that gets paid to scare you? That told us to hide in our houses? That told us not to come out, not to wave at anybody? It told us to be careful. Let me tell you something. Yes, the virus is very real and it is deadly. But I'm telling you, there's a moment where we have to rise up and say enough is enough. But lions roar to tell other lions where they're located to show how big their strength is they uh, that they are. To warn lions from other prides to keep away from their home territory. I literally got this off the science. Follow. They also roar when they're hungry. They do this most effectively just before sunrise and sunset when they're most active. So number one, they roar to declare. 
declare where they are. I need somebody in this room to let out a roar and let us know you're in this house. You showed up today. Others didn't show up. Others quit. Others laid at home. You know what? Pretty soon it's going to be like, we can't go to church, but I can go to the lake. Let me tell you something. There is a moment where you walk in because when I hear you praising, it builds my faith. When I hear you clapping, it builds my fire because we are called to do this together. Would you please let us know? Are you landing on the side of culture or Bible? Are you landing on the side of life or death? Give God a praise. The second reason they roar is to declare their strength. Proverbs 8, 28, 1 says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. They declare their strength. See, there's some of you who need to look at the enemy in the face and say, I'm not as weak as you think I am. I'm not as weak as you thought I was because my strength comes from God. Because in my weakness, he is made strong. So you better watch out, devil. The third reason is they roar to warn others that this is their territory. Come on, when mamas. is the last time, mom and dads, that you walked around the perimeter of your house, drew a line in the sand, and said, I dare you to cross Come this on. line, because this house is a house after God's heart, that me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. The fourth reason, they roar when they are hungry. Amos 3, 4 says, does a lion roar in the forest if there's no carcass? Does a young lion growl with pleasure if he hasn't caught his supper? Matthew 5, 6 says, how enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. Pat said it at the beginning. He said, so many of us are binge watching Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. We've become hungry after the things of this world. We begin to crave to put things into our home, to put things into our children that we never would have done before being closed up and quarantined in our house. But when you start craving the presence of God, when you start being hungry after the things of God, that's when you're going to see a shift in your family and a shift in your marriage and a shift in your home. And the fifth thing is they roar in the morning and in the evening. Psalm 92 says, it is good to praise God and make music to your name, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Psalm 5 says, every morning you're going to hear me at it again, Lord. Every morning I'm going to lay the pieces of my broken life at your altar and I'm going to wait for the fire to descend. But the problem is we keep getting up off the altar because we're too impatient to wait for the fire to show up and to burn away the junk that has held us back. Do you understand? The roar comes when identity is revealed. Some of you today, if you'll go home and you just shift. I've had to do this. I've had to wake up, Pat. What are you doing? When you get home today, if you'll walk through your house or your apartment or wherever you live and say, wait a minute. Come on, worship team. Come help me. Wait a minute. This is not who we are. I'm not taking Dr. Fauci's voice over Dr. Jesus' voice, the divine healer. I get it. The science, I get it, I get it, I get it. Come on. 
But what if you understood that the roar is coming back? This disease attacks the lungs. It takes the breath. They put you on machines. You're not getting it yet. He said, you're going to write a book about fear and about the breath of God. The subtitle is the, the restoration of the breath of God in your life. We had no idea. Three months later, the whole world would shut down. You're going to tell them that fear, exhaustion is going to take their breath from them. I didn't know that was coming. We had no clue, but I'm here to tell you something when you restore the roar suddenly the enemy starts saying wait a minute you're praising when you shouldn't you should be quiet right now go on your house put on your ring doorbell put on your ADT turn on the TV have them drop your food at the front door but don't come out I'm telling you church it is time the word church means called out not called back in and there is a moment where you begin to say okay enough is enough and the Bible says that Elizabeth is pregnant we know John the Baptist would become the voice of one crying in the wilderness. We know he would declare, prepare thee the way. We know he would say, he's here. But before that could happen, there was a quiet season and we're coming out of it in America. And the Bible says that all of a sudden, Elizabeth is pregnant. The house is quiet. And at that exact moment, the Bible says that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is also pregnant. And the Bible says she decides to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. Luke 1 verse 41. And the Bible says here's Elizabeth pregnant with a child. Zacharias in the corner can't talk about it. But Mary comes walking in pregnant with Jesus. And when Jesus enters the house, a baby in the womb, John the Baptist, gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something, mom and dad. Your kids will know it when Jesus walks in the house. They'll know it when you invite him in. They'll know it when you'll start praising. It will shift the atmosphere. It'll change attitudes. Go ahead, begin to play softly for me. And this is it as I close. God sent us to this house to tell you, when Jesus comes into your house, your kids will get fired up. Dad was still quiet. Finally, finally, John is born. But nobody knows his name because they circumcise a Jewish child on the eighth day. They name him after circumcision. And the Bible goes on to say, all of a sudden, everyone comes to visit. They're there for the circumcision. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 59 through 61, it says this. When the baby was eight days old, according to their custom, all the family and friends came together for the circumcision ceremony. Everyone was convinced that the parents would name the baby Zachariah after his dad. But all of a sudden, mama, gatekeeper, protector, steps up. And Elizabeth says, uh-uh. Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to name him John. Yep, little Johnny. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, What? They exclaim. Isn't it amazing how everybody wants to name what they didn't give birth to? They want to name what they didn't labor for. They weren't there when the water broke, they weren't there. When she came that close to death, bringing forth life. 
They weren't there the last nine months when we couldn't talk about it because his name's caused some issues. A house divided will not stand. And the Bible says, what? Ain't nobody in your family ever been called John. of a sudden this is it they look over at Zachariah who's been quiet obviously so they gestured to the baby's father like you need to step up and be the man now you need to take control of your house your wife's out of line Zachariah says something. I need to make covenant with signature. You ain't getting this. He says he has put my name on his hand. He anoints my head with oil. I'm tattooed to his hand. What do you mean? The identity of who I am is on God's hand. He anoints my head with oil. It overflows. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 22, he said a seal of ownership. So in other words, when God finally you allow him to anoint you, he takes your original identity and places it back on you. And when he lifts it off, the very name that was tattooed on his hand from the beginning of time for you is now assigned to you. It's called salvation experience. He anoints my head with oil. My cup over for you ain't getting that's a whole nother sermon. And so we got to get the identity back. It happens at the altar. And all of a sudden, Zachariah, go ahead and stand up. But don't leave. It's easy to run out right now. Hold on. Zachariah all of a sudden says, give me a piece of paper. He's mouthing the words. And they go, okay, all right. And all of a sudden, the Bible says he gets a pen and paper. You getting this so far. And all of a sudden, they were all watching after motioning for a writing tablet in amazement of all Luke 1 verse 62, 63 he said his name shall be John I'm the father I I assign identity and I'm saying today who he is because the name John literally means gift of Jehovah not bastardly child not illegitimate not his name his name is John I am declaring it and the Bible says the very next verse at the moment he wrote down his name his praise came back his voice came back he immediately worked and broke into praise how you handle your greatest fear today determines how others see God tomorrow A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite writers, he said this. He said, what we need today, the most critical need of the church today at this moment in time, is men, bold men, free men. The church must seek in prayer and much humility the coming again of men made of the stuff of which prophets and martyrs are made. Come on, dad. Come on, dad. Come on, grandfather. Come on, seat bearer. Walk through your family. Walk through your house. Walk up to a little child in this place that doesn't have a daddy and declare who they are. Speak it over them. Assign identity. Tell them you walk with greatness. My daughter, 
15 days old, was put in a park in China. We got her at nine months old. I made it up in my mind. She may not have my physical blood, but she has my spirit. Because we adopted her. She's mine. When she was real little, I still just do this to her. When Nate was growing up, every time he got out of the car to go into school, Nate, you're a prophet and a champion. Go change the world every day. It's my thing. I would say to Abby, Abby, you're a champion and a princess. Change the world. One night I'm walking past her bedroom. It was late. Lights are out. Just leaned in to check on her. And I looked and she was awake. I said, what are you doing? She goes, daddy, I got to tell you something. I said, what? You're a princess and a champion. I'll take it. Been called worse. <laughs> Listen to me. You're not getting it. Okay, okay. Let's let's get it. Let's close it. Fast forward. 30 more years. A young man whose father declared his identity is walking stops and starts baptizing people his cousin comes walking down the road and the very kid who was spoken identity over releases identity to king he said behold the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the earth mom and dad if you'll declare identity over your kids today they'll point out when jesus is in the crowd they'll point out where their friends can find him they'll say there he is oh you're still not getting it yet okay i get that because jesus who would become the lamb led to the slaughter isaiah 54 who openeth on his mouth would go to the cross and on the cross he would release a roar that started at a baptismal service where a young man whose father was mute had spoke over him who he would become and who he was and said he was the lamb of god now the lamb is on the cross but when the lamb on the cross all of a sudden opened his mouth he roared it was louder than five miles away it's two thousand years later it was so powerful it didn't loosen the bolts it ripped a veil and it came into this house and he is roaring over this house i am him i am speaking this over you you're not getting this if you'll get your roar back a generation will experience the voice of God give him a praise oh I feel your presence you know pastor three times we've had this date on the calendar but now's the timing I'm going to tell you something. What took 40 years to do, God will multiply into four years. Pastor Barnett wrote about the multiplication anointing many years ago. The Lord reminded me of that this morning. He said, you tell them. This house is about to multiply. I'm willing to be wrong and mocked, but I will tell you something. There is a flood of people that are coming into this house that are suddenly getting up and going, you know what, man, I miss it. I miss being a part of 
Christmas now and then. I am, I miss the Easter production. I miss what that church is all about. I miss the family. I miss the quality. I'm coming back in there. I'll go get my little shot, one or two of those things, but I'm walking back in. And when I come back in, I'm saying I'm back because God ain't done with Calvary. He ain't done with his property. You ain't seen nothing yet. Prodigals are coming home. Families are coming home. And I know, Pastor, I know we're living in a day and age where culture is doing everything it can to help divide races because of some other people out there that have done some crazy stuff. I get it. But can I tell you something? I don't care what color you are. I don't care about your background. I don't care what your history is. I don't care about your rap sheet. Let's lock arms. Let's go change the world. Let's tell people about Jesus. Let's walk in authority. And let's walk in with the power and the love and the soundness of mind. And every time the news tells you to be afraid or the news tells you this, open the back door of your head and say, get out. You are not living in here anymore. This is a mind that has been free. Give my God a praise. Here's the last thing. Here's what God is saying. I felt an assignment about this weekend. And the Lord says, I need you to talk to me again. I miss our conversations. He's been speaking over you. Matthew 10, 27, my life verse. What I whisper to you in the dark, you'll proclaim from the rooftops. It's my life verse. It will be on my tombstone. It's my life verse. I listen for the whisper every day. Sometimes you don't talk. But I've been hearing a lot lately. I usually have to hear his voice three times. I hear it in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I hear it in the authority of God, the love of Jesus, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Empowerment hits, I share. That's my rule. But God is saying over this house, you've seen nothing yet. And you're weary. But I want to speak over you. I'm a son of this house. And I want to tell the two of you, you've seen nothing yet. And I know we can go folksy and we can go emotional. I'm telling you, this is from heaven alone. God is saying, you've not seen anything yet. This thing is being broken. This thing is being broken. Lift your hands all over this house. Y'all second, y'all, y'all the second service Christians. Y'all slap a little bit, all right? So with your hands raised right now, shut your eyes. Hold on, no music, just for a second. I'm going to end the ambiance for a second. Just for a second, we're ending the ambiance. I love ambiance, but not right now. We ain't at Valentine's Day yet. That's next Sunday, trust me. Eyes shut across this place. Holy Spirit says, I want to talk to this house. And he's saying, where have you been? Why have you let that in the house? And God is saying all over this place, I'm about to tell you, I roared for you on the cross. And if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that I am Lord once again, if you'll roar for me, the Bible actually says you have to speak it because there's death and life in your tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. And God is saying right now, I am looking for those that will declare me again. And with your hands raised, if you say, I need God to change me, say it out loud, say me. Say me. If that, come on, louder than that. I mean loud. I mean so loud you're going to get embarrassed. Are you ready? Let's do it loud. If you need God to change you, say me. me. 
Some of you just heard him say, walk down. Why are you waiting on me? Well, I know we got social distancing and all that stuff. I get it. I understand. But there's some of you that need to walk down here right now. And as you get about four steps from the front, you're going to feel the love of God restore your despair and break the despair off you and break depression. If you need an encounter with God, walk down here now. Who cares? I don't care. what. When I need an encounter with God, I could care less what anybody thinks. I could really honestly just go ahead and play softly if you would. Real soft. Go ahead and play. Those that feel comfortable with doing this, would you come stand with everybody? Come on, let's be a family for just a couple of minutes. I mean, you can get your six feet, all that. But I think God's sanitizing in this zone right here. Come on closer, come on. I know it's like, I don't know if I can do this. You can. If she can, you can. Worthy is the Lamb. Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the one true God. If you can die for me, I can live for you. Jesus, restore my roar. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Put breath back in me. Breathe upon me. Fill me with your spirit. Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when they heard the roar upstairs in the Passion Translation, everyone came running. The roar that started on the cross landed in the upper room. It literally says in the Passion Translation, when they heard the roar upstairs. So I wonder all over this room if we can just get a little radical and not worry about whether or not we're going to get judged for a second. Because, you know, we're all worried about being canceled right now. I could care less personally because I'm going to stand on his word with love, power, and authority. The very foundation of God's throne. So all over this room, would you lift your hands and open your mouth, even if you have a mask on, and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost out loud. God is restoring your breath right now. He's breaking fear off of you. He's breaking death off of you. And right now... Come on, pray out loud. You may have never been told by a father who you are. 
ready. You are anointed. You are chosen and you are handpicked. Now here's what I want you to do. With your mask on. I want you to look at the person beside you. Now listen, if you have kids in here or a spouse, tell them who they are. Tell them who they are. Tell them who they are. Tell them you are mighty. Tell them I can't do it without you. If you got a friend beside you, lean over to them and say, you are great. You really are great. You are mighty. You're anointed. And then look at that spouse or those kids or single mom, single dad. Father is speaking over you right now. You're special because you carry both anointings. But I literally want you today to declare identity over this. I want you to say this with me. 40 years ago today, this place started. So say this with me. Say today. This house is just beginning. It ain't over. We will lock arms. Every tribe, every nation are welcome in this house. We will not divide, but we will conquer. We are called to do this. Say this out loud. This is God's house. We are family. We stand together as one. Give my God a praise across this house. what I want you to do when you get home today break all the words you've spoken in the last six months break them how do I do that say in Jesus name I break every word because a lot of us have said some dumb stuff because we've actually learned how to actually live together I've said nothing dumb (laughs) I'm serious go home today and say no more let's change our home I'm 51 years old Karen is 51 and no she owns it here's what I want to say to you I'm just now learning how to praise in the bad oh anybody praise in the good but can you praise if the lion can roar in the morning and the evening, that's exactly what we learn to do. You need to learn how to sandwich God. That's southern. Sandwich. It's like battery. Learn how, if you wake up in the morning praising and go to bed praising and let your kids hear it, it changes everything. Oh, but it ain't going to change overnight. They're going to get mad at first. Suck it up, buttercups, my house. We're going to praise in this house. We're going to praise in the morning. We're going to praise in the evening. We're going to go to bed and we're going to lock arms. We're even teaching our Australian shepherd how to praise. She'll bite you in the process. I'm just going to tell you. This is the day where the church says, "Mm, we're back. Somebody shout, we're back. Somebody shout, we're back. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.